Let us next turn in God's holy word to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll read the entire chapter. Our text will primarily focus on verses 1 through 10, and even more particularly 3 through 10, but uh, we'll hear the whole chapter in its context. 1 Timothy 6. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is blessed and and only potentate the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge by professing 
it some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word. We'll also hear what we confess in regards to the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. From Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 42, question and answer 110 and 111. Question 110. What does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? Answer. God forbids not only those thefts and robberies, which are punishable by the magistrate, but he comprehends under the name of theft all wicked tricks and devices, whereby we design to appropriate to ourselves the goods which belong to our neighbor, whether it be by force or under the appearance of right, as by unjust weights, L's, measures, fraudulent merchandise, false coins, usury, or any other way forbidden by God, as also all covetousness, all abuse, and waste of his gifts. Question 111. But what does God require in this commandment? Answer, that I promote the advantage of my neighbor in every instance I can or may, and deal with him as I desire to be dealt with by others. Further also that I faithfully labor so that I may be able to relieve the needy. That's far confession regarding the requirements and what is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, stealing can be a very frustrating crime. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but I'm sure you know someone who has been the victim of this crime. It makes someone feel angry because ultimately we are very possessive. It's my possessions and we then feel violated because someone took something of mine, maybe even a part of my life. Other times we feel hurt because we will miss whatever has been taken or we will feel deprived, maybe even of the ability to make money. I think of those in construction who have their tools stolen on a regular basis. It has to be very frustrating. And you feel confused. Confused because you don't know what to even do about it. You feel helpless. And often these emotions overwhelm us when we are victims of those who break the Eighth Commandment. And if I asked you today, who among us has never been guilty of stealing? What would you say? Certainly, I haven't stolen anything big, maybe. But maybe we should look a little bit deeper into our hearts and into our lives. Especially in reflection of what God calls us to do and what He calls us not to do in regard to this commandment. And then consider 
how God should justly react to those who would rob him of his glory and his creatures of his provisions. Now we ask ourselves, who among us has never been guilty of stealing? Let's get to the heart of the matter. Using the theme, the heart of stealing. First of all, we'll look at the heart of stealing being boasting rather than glorifying. Secondly, hoarding rather than contentment and sharing. The heart of stealing, boasting rather than glorifying. And secondly, hoarding rather than being content and sharing. The heart of stealing is boasting. In our text in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we find there that someone who is proud. Notice in verse 3, anyone who teaches otherwise and how to interact as servants and masters in way of dealing fairly and prudently with one another, and don't consent to the wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ, is a proud person. And they know nothing. And later on in this chapter, in verse 17, we find there that there's a command to those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or proud or boastful. Not to trust in their riches, but in the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy. We ought not to be proud, haughty, or boastful about uh, the gifts that God has given to us. And that becomes the very foundation in the heart of breaking the Eighth Commandment, is this pride and boastful entitlement to what we possess, or what we desire even to possess. And this proud entitlement gets to the very heart of how we view possessions and the possessions that God has given unto us. And because of this heart, a boastful, proud heart that really all of us have by nature, it leads to envy where we would desire what others have and that envy creates a bitterness and an envy toward others that stirs up strife. And bitter arguments as we find in our passage. Notice how, how he says, this, this person is a proud person knowing nothing but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words which come with envy, strife, reviling, and evil suspicions. And when they don't get their way and they don't get what they envy and, and, and their strife doesn't work, they, they begin to blaspheme and scorn and revile against others, leading to evil suspicions all around when a proud person is always suspicious about everybody around them, thinking everyone's out to get them. And they boast in their own entitlements. Everyone else is out to get me and to deprive me of what is good. So there's wrangling in their corrupt minds 
where there is really no truth. And as they wrangle and twist this all in their own minds, skeptical about everyone, they boast in their own godliness and even make their godliness a boast to their entitlement of all of the things that they think they deserve. None of this, says Paul, is glorifying to God. It is boasting and it gets right at the heart of the Eighth Commandment. Rather, what Paul is saying is we need to glorify God with our riches. We don't need to be proud or trust in our riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so it begins with God who is the rightful owner of all the riches. That's true godliness is to begin with God Himself. Think of the psalm that we sang at the beginning of our service from Psalm 24, that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and, and those who dwell therein. Sorry, that wasn't the psalm that we sang, but we sang Psalm, psalm 50 in Psalter 137. And there in Psalm Psalm 50, we find that every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. It is all mine, says the Lord. All the possessions, everything that we have, everything that we consume is all from God. And that's where we need to begin in true godliness is to recognize that God is over all things and He has everything and gives it to us liberally. And God has created us, and He has created us with a purpose. A purpose to be stewards of all the gifts that He gives us. Stewards of His creation. And even though we are reminded of the fall in paradise, where we have gone away from God and rebelled against God and felt entitled to all of God's gifts, that's really what sin is. And there we find what we really deserve. We don't deserve anything. Well, we deserve is death and hell. All the absence of God's goodness. And yet God comes and reminds us that, that He has still created us and, 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 and is in the business of recreating His people to serve Him. And so He gives us the grace of the law to remind us to love God and to serve Him above all and care for our neighbor as ourselves. And as we build upon that theology, we find that the Eighth Commandment undergirds every breaking of every commandment of the law. In the first commandment we come to, God calls us to not have any other gods. Because when we have any other god, when we make any other gods out of the very material that He gives us, we are robbing God of His glory. When we worship God in any other way than He has commanded us, as we find in the second commandment, we are robbing God of His glory and of His desire for pure worship. When we defame and slander and blaspheme the name of our God, we are taking away from God and the glory of His name. When we break the Sabbath day, A day that God has set apart for us to be sanctified in it and to delight in it, set apart unto God, 
we rob God of His time and of His day. When we say that it's the Lord's hour rather than the Lord's day, we deprived Him of 23 hours of His day. We are robbing God of His glory. When we treat our parents and those in authority over us without respect, we are depriving them of the respect that God has asked us to give them. We are robbing, stealing. When we take someone's life, we are robbing them of the life that God has given them. When we hate and abuse and inflict unnecessary pain on someone, whether it's physically, psychologically, or spiritually, we rob them of the very dignity that God has created them with as image bearers of God Himself. When we break the seventh commandment, committing adultery, we rob someone of their spouse. When we live in fornication, we rob someone of their virginity. When we promote homosexuality and gender confusion, we are robbing someone of the dignity of how God had created them. When we lie and slander, we are robbing people of their name dignity and of the truth. Gets right at the heart when we get to the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. You see, this commandment gets right to the heart of who we are as depraved sinners. And it reminds us of our need for the Lord Jesus Christ. It reminds us that not one of us could say, I have not stolen. That's the spiritual nature of the Eighth Commandment. And practically, many things flow out of it, don't they? And of course, the Heidelberg Catechism is not necessarily an exhaustive list, but it does remind us of the many things that are practical in our daily life. Especially when we feel so entitled to things and and we would just rather take rather than rightly receiving things as from the Lord. Notice what we find there with the Eighth Commandment forbids. Thefts, robberies. Anything that's comprehended under, under theft, which would be wicked tricks and devices, whether it's by force or appearance of right, that boastful right, we have to, to even exercise unjust 
weights and measures and, and having fraudulent merchandise or false coins and usury or anything else that's forbidden by God in this way. How, how can we do that? How do we do that? How do we engage day to day in our business practices? Are we fair? Do we seek to be honest and clear in our business practices as to what is being charged? And, 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 and are we as employees serving our employers as faithfully? What, what about our, our work? Are we working diligently for those who employ us? Or do we stretch out our breaks? Or do we come in a little bit late every day? Or do we come with absent minds without being focused on the task that's ahead of us? How do we engage in our work? Are we as employers stealing from our employees, requiring things of them that they can't even provide or or requiring things that go above and beyond? Or are we, as employees, abusing our employer's time? What about what you probably all just did in the last month is to fill out, file your taxes? Are we people of integrity as we do so? Or maybe you've of a car to sell on Kijiji and you know that there's a few things wrong with it, but, you know, if they don't figure it out, then, then, you know, that's really their problem. If they're willing to pay for it, even though you know that the motor's on its last leg and you don't mention it, are you not stealing? Or what about in our society? And all of the, the, the socialism that's permeated our society. And all of the government benefits and seeking to advance yourself based on other people's taxpayers' dollars. Which only fosters a, a boastful entitlement. With leaders that promote a Robin Hood type of mentality where they're going to steal from the rich to give to the poor, that only promotes and produces more poverty, it's an abomination. It's breaking of the Eighth Commandment. I think if you want to read a book in this area, whether it's dealing with government or especially also the church and ways of mission. There's a book called Helping Hurts by Steve Corbett. Corbett. And in it, we realize just how much helping can hurt. Also in way of how we deal with those who are in need as a church. Do we promote stewardship or do we leave it to 
to a boastful entitlement of all that you can get without giving. That's the problem. And every single person with a depraved heart is going to want to receive more than they give. And especially as we live in a society that promotes materialism and and encourages you to buy now and pay later. You, You deserve it now. You deserved it yesterday, but you just don't have the funds to pay for it yet. And so therefore, use the credit that is offered to you and the credit cards that are offered to you promoting financial irresponsibility even from the highest place of government to the very base in every household. And it leads to poor stewardship. Promoting poverty. With no incentive to work. This is the challenge in which we live. What a contrast that is when we think about God's created purpose for us in this world. To be stewards of the gifts that He has given to us. As He calls us to work diligently, as we heard this morning, even from Proverbs 31, a desire to serve not only ourselves and our families and, 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 and also others. A desire to use our God-given talents to the glory of God as we provide for ourselves and our families and others. This is what God calls us to. Rather than boastful entitlement, He calls us to glorify Him with all that He's given to us. And if we don't, we need to recognize that's at the very heart of breaking the Eighth Commandment. But it's not only this boastful entitlement, but it's also the problem, as we see secondly, of hoarding. Hoarding rather than contentment and sharing. Notice in verse 6 of 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain Great gain. Are you content? Or are you a hoarder? How can you know? Would you be happy with a thousand dollars? Yeah, it's not going to go so far today. Would you be happy with a million dollars? Oh yeah, I'd be happy with a million dollars. But think about it, would you? Wouldn't you just want another million dollars? Would you be happy with a billion dollars? Are you sure? Wouldn't it be two billion? How much would it take for you to be content? You see, true contentment comes in this. True contentment realizes what we deserve before God. 
and that God is glorified with every single dollar or loony in my pocket. And I can be content with that one loony in my pocket. And I will be the richest person on earth. But if I want one more loony, I become poor. I could be richer than someone with a million dollars if I'm content with one dollar. Because the person with a million dollars only wants one dollar more. He wants the dollar that's in my pocket. That's what true godliness is. Godliness comes with contentment. And that is great gain. That is what makes people rich. Rich in the Lord. Rich in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Because we need to recognize that we took nothing into this world. You were naked when you came out of your mother's womb. And you will take nothing with you to the grave. You will become dust. And so in this life, if I have food in my refrigerator, if I have food on my table, I should even say, and I have a clothing on my back, I can be content because God has blessed me far more than what I deserve. But notice how Paul says this to Timothy. But those who desire to be rich, those who want that other 900999 dollars or whatever it is, they fall into temptation and a snare. And that is what brings them into that evil snare that creates envy and revilings and wranglings. And it becomes so much of a snare that it, it draws them into foolish and harmful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition, says Paul. And that love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And that's why it produces greediness. And in that greediness, they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. How do we handle wealth? Are we always trying to hoard and accumulate more because we could never be satisfied? Or are we content with what God has given to us? I think this whole aspect of contentment that Paul is setting forth here for us rather than hoarding is really set forth in, in Luke chapter 12. If you have your Bibles open there, let's just, let's just turn there and look, look at this as a, a brief case study. 
Luke chapter 12. There in verse 13, we find that someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to, to divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, Man, who made me an ar- a judge or an arbitrator over you? And, and then he tells them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. You are not identified by your possessions. You are not, as Paul would say to Timothy here, this godliness becoming gain to you. No, he's he's saying, no, you are not identified by your possessions. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm going to tell you a parable. The ground of a certain man, rich man, became plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And in his hoarding desire, he says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater barns, and there will I store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See what Jesus is saying there is this man only sought to hoard it. Hoard it for himself. Was not content with the small barns and the plenty that he had. Instead of sharing the extra that he had, he's going to tear down barns, build bigger barns, and now he's going to hoard it for himself and not share it with others. But rather, he says on, goes on to teach his disciples, you need to consider what life is all about. Consider, he says, your life. And don't worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which they have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? Why are you worrying so much? Why are you overcome? Why are you seeking to pursue and to hoard and to build up all your treasures and store them here on earth where moth and rust will corrupt them rather than serving God with them? Don't be anxious for all of these things, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And that's why the love of money and the love of riches and the love of possession and materialism is an insatiable desire that only leads you to perdition. That's what he's saying. And yet... He's not saying that you shouldn't work. He's not saying you shouldn't use all of the talents that God has given to you. By no means is he saying that. As a matter of fact, you can look and read it for yourself in Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents. He clearly calls us to use the talents that he gives unto us. Even as he's given some 
certain measures of gifts and they use them to His glory. He adds to them and He he says to them, I will make you ruler of many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord and into His service. Because they were not lazy. They were diligent in their labor and their work. But the truth of the matter is, what he's pointing out in all of these situations is that we do this to God's glory and for the welfare of others. You see, dear congregation, the pursuit of worldly treasures that is so promoted in our society leads us to steal as we try to keep up with the Jones, we try to accumulate the stuff which deprives us of true time, time to serve others, especially even our families. It leads people to do things that you wouldn't imagine. It promotes gambling and and so on. And as we get sucked into this vortex of materialism, we begin to find that all of our time is stolen away from us and from God's kingdom to things that will perish. Let's never forget that. Who among us has not stolen? Consider how frustrating it must be when you're a victim of someone stealing for you. Just consider how frustrating it must be for God who gives you life and breath and everything you have. And you steal from Him. And from others. Yet, there is hope. True hope for people like us who break the Eighth Commandment. And we need to be reminded of that. Because of the one who had his own life stolen from him on the cross by wicked hands. To suffer and to pay the penalty for people who break the Eighth Commandment. There on that center cross, he's hung between two thieves, both mocking him and robbing him of his glory, and God stops the mouth of one of them. And he says, instead of blaspheming, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God's love. The Savior of sinners. He points and He directs His conversation to the person who's under the same condemnation as Him. Justly so. And He says, we are justly under this condemnation. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And He says to him, who hangs as a Savior, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, God has mercy. When we come to him in repentance, confessing, Lord, I have stolen from you. I have stolen from others. Have mercy on me and remember me. Will he also say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. It's all because of what he has done. But then he says, let him who stole go and steal no longer, but let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Amen.